Welcome to Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. We teach the common wisdom of love and unity that is found in all mainstream religions, metaphysical teachings, mysticism, and inspired secular and religious writers and teachers throughout the ages. Our goal is to help you connect with your higher divine self and transform from the inside out so you can become a force for love and transformation in the world. Each week, we bring you wisdom from our founding spiritual director, Reverend Candace Shalhoub, and other guest speakers. We hope you enjoy this week's words of wisdom. According to A Course in Miracles, all it takes to remove fear and hatred from our lives and enter into the realm of love and forgiveness is a little willingness, or what Jesus in the Bible calls the faith of a mustard seed. That little willingness, it brings God's power rushing into your life. But our ego keeps us from calling in this magnificence into our lives because we're afraid we might have to give up something to get that. Or we're afraid that people might think we're one of them crazy Jesus freaks and just (laughs) walk away from us, backing away slowly, hands in the air. If this morning you are afraid to give even a little willingness to invite that healing love of God to change your heart and mind forever, then step back a little with a willingness to be willing. Maybe even a willingness to be willing to be willing. I mean, go back as far as you need to go to find your willingness, to feel comfortable, but know that even in that moment of being willing to be willing, God's already at work. God's already removing the barriers to love that our ego likes to erect and then convinces us is all solid and unmovable. This morning, you're going to get a treat. You're going to hear from this amazing woman named Deb Varn. She is an agape licensed spiritual practitioner, a newly minted one at that. (laughs) And Deb has relied on a little willingness. She has relied on that faith as small as a mustard seed to bring the overwhelming grandeur of the holy in, to, and through her life. Through her willingness, she's found healing, and she has become an open channel to share God's love wastefully and know that it is not her strength, but the strength of the holy that sustains her in all ways and all times. And this jubilance should be our goal as well, to cultivate even the tiniest bit of willingness to let go of our fear, and be taught the power of ultimate love that makes not just us, but the whole world say, Oh, yeah. yeah. Author Joel Goldsmith's book, The Art of Spiritual Healing. Our prayer is a peace be still, a silent communion, even unto that storm at sea. The master never prayed that it be dispelled. His only prayer was, be still. Was he addressing the water? No. He was addressing his consciousness and the consciousness of his disciples. Peace be still. If our consciousness is still, there are no stormy waters within or without. If our consciousness is still, everything about us takes on the complexion that is stillness. From the Jesus story, Matthew seventeen twenty. Thank you. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And from Reverend Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith's book, Spiritual Liberation. Evolved people give thanks for life, for the intelligence within the body temple, within nature, for what, was, for what most people don't even notice as they navigate through their day. 
Gratitude is an expression of humility, a recognition that even before we ask, good has been given to us. Gratitude also includes respect for what the ego would call bad new, the challenging circumstances that come into our life to wake us up. These are wise and holy words. Thank you, Ben. Thanks be to the holy. All creation is holy word. All creation speaks volumes of the holy. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) All right. I want to... uh, welcome to the stage or, and to our uh, our lovely Jubilee Circle here, uh, a woman I've known for years. Her name is Deb Varn, and Deb has spent most of her life in the education business. Yes. <laughs> she In uh, elementary school, she's been administration and a principal for, what, 10 years? Was yes. It was a main principal. Five and five. Five and five, yeah. <laughs> five and as, <laughs> as an associate, and yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> yes. But she's also a fantastic and gifted talented musician as well and uh, she's been through a lot and she's got a, uh, an amazing story to share with us and I'm so happy and, um, and honored to have Deb Varn with us this morning. Thank you. All right. The, the honor is all mine and I'm grateful for the opportunity. You know I taught uh, elementary school, middle school and high school but I started out in middle school and was there for 11 years and, and they let me out for good behavior. <laughs> As I say, many are called, but few are chosen. Few people like say yes, I think is what, what the call is. I want to open us up with an evocation. And we're not evoking a spirit outside of ourselves. We are evoking the spirit that is at the center of our own being. I'm a practitioner of Agape International Spiritual Center. And that's what we do. So I share this with you. So we take a, take a deep breath and drop into our heart space. How grateful I am just to wake up today. Another day on planet Earth to live, move, and have my beingness. And God, grateful for this beloved, beloved Jubilee Circle that has been in my life for so many years. For all those that are guided and rise in consciousness through Candace's leadership and the leadership of the board and through the music that is played here. So grateful. And so it's from this place of gratitude that I recognize all that there is is God. Everywhere present in his fullness, always giving of itself, never ever withholding. I call it God. I call it good. I call it infinite intelligence and divine wisdom always available. The grace that sustains and maintains all. I am one with this power, this presence. It is my life. Closer than my breath that beats my heart. And as this is true for me, it's true for each and every one of us here in this room, in this space, in YouTube land. All one with God, one with each other, one with all that is. And so it's from this place of oneness that I bless our time together, knowing that it is a holy encounter, a divine appointment, God meeting God into each of us, blessing the musicians, blessing this community, blessing Candace and the board, knowing that it is good and blessing the message that is shot straight from the mind of God through my heart. And I say thank you. And amen. I bring you greetings in the great Southern tradition from Agape International Spiritual Center 
and Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith and all of the practitioners and particularly to my love ninja prackmates as we refer to ourselves. Spreading love and you don't even know you've been hit with it. <laughs> so here we come to the topic of today. It took a long time to get this point in my life. It took a lot of a lot of work. A lot of relentlessness in my practice. A lot of starts and stops. And you know, my mom always said a hard head makes a soft behind. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, you know, I was one of those bullheaded kids. Here's the thing, there's nothing more powerful than a made-up mind. When it's pointed in the direction of truth. When, when we make it a practice. That's what as practitioners do. They practice the presence. But, and each of us are practitioners because we practice in our relationship with the infinite that is closer than our breath is not some old man in the sky doling out punishments and rewards but closer than our breath waiting waiting for the slightest invitation the holy spirit of course a miracle says waits for the slightest invitation to be of service in our lives so that we can be who we were created to be, to be that unique expression of the divine wherever we are planted. It's like Reverend Michael says, if you don't do you, boo, it won't be done. We can't try to be like anybody else. You know, I heard Pharrell Williams say, if we try to be like this artist or that artist, all will ever be a second best. That we are unique expressions of the infinite that are being called to show up and shine our light that each of us have. We just got to clear the filter. I don't know about you, but my front porch light is dirty. That thing needs to be cleaned so that it can shine and there's no obstruction to that light. And so one of the things that I had to, to come into agreement with is that I am the creator of my experience. That was a hard one for me. Because at some point I thought, well, this is God's way of teaching me a lesson with, with cancer. That God called this forth. But that's, that's not the way it is. The truth is, and I don't know, I don't remember this conversation, I have no recollection of it, but I know that it had to take place on some level. And Dr. Sue Mortar refers to it as the, as the bus stop conversation, where we're all waiting for our, our incarnation into this physical plane, and we're hanging out with, with our brothers and sisters, our soul groups that we're coming forth with, and we're all talking about our excitement, we're talking about the things that we want to learn and experience what we want to teach. And that's where it ends, right there, <laughs> on some level. This is what we want to learn. I think Neil Donald Walsh said, as you wish and I love you are the same thing. So it's like Spirit says, as you wish. 
We will set that up, whatever you, because thoughts become things, and you are a creator like the, like the creator. You're the, there's the cause, there's effect, but the cause and the effect, they have the same powers. The only difference between us, is, us and God is God created us, we did not create God. Although, as humans, we like to create God in our own image. That's another thought. <laughs> so, here we are, boom. I'm in this space, and I was having a great time, and then all of a sudden I ended up with something called kidney cancer, and this was before I consciously began my physical, my walk in the spiritual path, and all I could think to do in my carnal egoic mind was, you got X amount of time, how you want to spend it? And so my thought was, let's get the up out of here, because I'm looking for a bigger, better deal. And so eventually, I, you know, the dark night of the soul happens, and I find my way to spiritual teachings and teachings of, uh, you know, Louise Hay and Neil Donald Waltz, and finally A Course in Miracles, and I become steeped in this practice. And when I say steeped, you know, you can read those lessons every day. But until we actually do the work, spend the time, even if it's five minutes in the morning, and that becomes the part of our, our, our operating system, the filter that we express through, it'll have the power of playthings, willy-nilly. But I had gotten to the point where I was practicing and surrendered to, to whatever it was that was seeking to emerge in my life. And so when the second experience came, I was spiritually prepared for it. I just surrendered. 75% cancer, what you going to do? You're going to surrender to spirit and ask that your will be done. God's will for me is perfect joy and happiness. I know I am seen, heard, and answered. And we got through that cancer-free. Hallelujah. And I thank God every day because I know that prayers were lifted, they were heard, and they were answered. And the question then was, you got to make up your mind if you want to live or die. Because there have been points in my life that I realize now, after that second, third experience, where I felt like the best part of my life was behind me. And some other life, some other relationship that I felt like was the one that, that got away. And so after I came out of this experience and began to study at Agape International Spiritual Center, really be steeped in truth and principle. And you know, there's only one truth and it's spoken in many different ways. But it's one truth. And so rooting myself in principle that God is the only power, not man whose breath is in his nostril. There's no power in dis-ease. There's no dis-ease in God. That this power and this presence is available. It is within us, without us. That even a stone, as Emma Curtis Hopkins says, is animated with spirit. To be able to steep myself in this truth and practice the art of meditation. An affirmative prayer. And this is what clears the static on our radio, so to speak, in our consciousness. You know, remember those old transistor radios? Then you had to keep turning it, and sometimes you had to move it so that you could catch a signal. Well, as we practice meditation, 
And as we know the truth, we begin to affirm and believe the truth, that static gets cleared. So that we can hear the voice for spirit or the voice for God or your inner being or your, your inner knower or your inner teacher. You know, God don't care what you call it. Just that we call upon it. And so as we cleared this filter and I was moving into graduating for, you know, from practitioner studies, becoming a licensed practitioner, I was about to take my finals exams my counseling exam and then preparing for the oral panel where you have to answer questions in front of reverends and seasoned practitioners there's no easy peasy about that um, and so I was in preparation for that and I got the notice that this this experience of cancer had snuck back up again and it kind of caught me off guard because I'm meticulous. I look at my report, it's like looking to track it, you know? And I missed it. It actually showed up in March. And there's a reason why I didn't catch it. You know, Spirit always knows what it's doing. And I feel like, you know, we, we know what we need to know when we need to know it. And I am grateful for that. Because I was in the middle of presenting a workshop to the agape community with, with uh, three other pracmates, and that was a, that was a, that's a sermon in another story, in another time. So it was perfect that I didn't find out. So when I was sitting in my oncologist's office, and the nurse practitioner told me, "Well, your numbers have snuck up again. You know, they this now." showing that in the marker for multiple myeloma, not that you need to know the details, um, is the M spike. And so the M spike had popped from not to 0.4. And so they said, we're going to need to do a bone marrow biopsy, which is a most barbaric thing I've ever experienced. But in order to know what's actually going on. And so I'll be honest, you know, I spun for a minute. And for me, it's, a minute can be three minutes or three days. And in some cases, it's been about three years. But now it's getting quicker. So I turned it over to, to the Spirit. And I ask empowering questions. You know, one of the things that Reverend Michael teaches is a life visioning process where we ask what questions. Because when I, if I were to go into this and say, why... I'm getting ready to finish this practitioner studies. I'm stepping into this new arena. Why is this happening? That puts me in victim mode. And my power goes... Because I'm blaming something outside of myself. So as soon as I'm able, I catch myself. That's what awareness activity, self-awareness is so important. To pay attention to what we're thinking, feeling. And so as soon as I caught myself in that, I sat myself down before I reached out to a soul. And, you know, I, I am close with mighty reverends and mighty practitioners that it's easy to pick up the phone and call. But the spirit of my being is the same spirit in them. And so I sat myself down and I asked the spirit of my being, what is seeking to emerge in, through, and as this experience, because you know, I thought I had learned everything I needed to learn the last time. 
You know, I caught it. I, you know, I, I want to live. That's right. And so what was seeking to emerge was an up-leveling of some sort, an awareness of my oneness with God, and the message was, where are you holding back from life? Where are you not giving yourself fully without attachment? As Reverend Cynthia reminded me, my mantra is connected to everything and attached to nothing, but pouring myself out wholeheartedly because most of my life I held a little back just in case. It was, it was my upbringing. You know, you got to have a little go-to bag <laughs> and you got to be ready to go. And so that, that was still operating on some level. And then the other question, what do you need to release in this experience? And for me, initially it was fear. And then later on, a fear of not enough time. That was, that was my thing. You know, if you ever look at the data on these diseases, like, well, you got this much time for this, this much time for that, throw that damn book out. I wish they didn't even have it. And so, but eventually I caught, I had to be release attachment to outcome. And Gina Gibson helped me come to that realization. God bless her. And then what do I have to embody? What quality do I have to embody in order to be okay if this doesn't change? If this is indeed the time for transition, what quality do I need to embody in order to be okay and still deliver my gifts and talents and live life fully with the time that I have. And the quality that I caught was trust. Trust in the presence that is never in absence, closer than my breath, knowing that divine order is at the center of all things, including this experience. And you also ask, what else do I need to know? And that one came about here, here, and here. And it's a matter of listening to that inner voice. Now I want to get a witness. Raise your hand if you have ever felt caught or heard something tell you something to do. And you just blew it off. And didn't do it. How'd that work for you? <laughs> Yes, right. So, Spirit is speaking to us always, and in our ways, and in a language that we absolutely know and understand can interpret. Remember, Spirit knows us better than anybody else because it is us. And so, Spirit said, "Call Gina." And so, I had I remember that Gina was was studying um, homie. What do you, how do you say? homeopathy and so I was going to ask her you know about sugar and I thought that was the only thing I thought to ask her I didn't think to ask her anything else but you know spirit is smart and so I called Gina and I said hey what do you think about this and she said oh Deb I, I thought a couple days ago I'd be hearing from you soon <laughs> the spirit of the living God proof and so Gina and I had conversations and decided to work together uh, on this because my doctor was wanting to go full tilt and hit this thing at 20% 
just as hard as it was when it was at 75%. And something in my spirit said, hold up. We don't have to go to that point. And so I began to work with Gina to uncover blatant that I stories that I had forgot about that were on replay in my subconscious and so through our work together through through tapping we uncovered things and I promise you when you go through practitioner studies it is walking across the red hot coals of transformation there is no subject that they don't cover and there is always something to uncover and discover and so I thank God for Gina every day and I bless her and her family because she helped me to uncover an operating system that was still operating in my consciousness. And Gina even went with me to to see my doctor, sat in there with me. Because Doogie Hauser, as I lovingly refer to him as, you know, he only knows what he knows, what he learned in medical school, and I dare say he hadn't met a Devorn yet. <laughs> And so Gina's in the corner, and, he, and I'm telling him, I'm not, is there any reason why we have to move forward with this? Is there, and he said, he said no, there's, there's not really a sense of urgency. And he looks at Gina, and he says, what are you going to do with her? <laughs> and Gina's like. <laughs> and so, you know, we agree to, 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 the, to a boost and a little boost in steroids and and my maintenance chemo was clicked up five gram, five milligrams. And I continued to do this work of, of being aware of my oneness with God. Reverend Michael taught in a class for us that someone was getting ready to go to jail and they reached out to him and he advised that they read the 91st Psalm. It talks about we abide in the shadow of the Almighty and God gives his angels over to protect us. That we won't even hurt our foot on a stone. That making an awareness of our oneness with God needed to be our full-time job. Again, I caught it that that was mine to do. That was a part of that approach. Working on my consciousness, aligning with truth, and following what what I lovingly refer to as listen and then do. I used to tell my students when I'm giving them their instructions before class, I'd explain to them what we were going to do, and then I'd say, do you have any questions? Tell me what I just said. And even little five-year-olds could tell you what you just said. And so one little boy, he raised his hand. I have forgot to say, am I clear? This little boy raised his hand. And I said, yes, Jonathan. He said, we're clear. (laughs) So the invitation is to listen and then do. And so even as we were progressing through the summer and the numbers had clicked from four, and I remember it was like a a shot in my chest, and I was like, surely I have the faith of a mustard seed. And Gina lovingly in her Gina voice, <laughs> said Deb, I think we're attached to outcome. <laughs> because I even had said in our conversations that I, I wanted to teach from this experience. Because I knew on some level, and I can do that and not be attached to outcome. So I, I dropped back 
into that state of being aware of my oneness with God and continuing, regardless of appearances, and it doesn't matter whether you're dealing with a relationship, with a health crisis, with money crisis, it's all the same tools that we use, the same listening skills. And so I continued to stay in the pocket. You know, I got an appointment with a holistic medical doctor who was going to provide some, uh, you know, supplements and some care that would also support my body as it healed. And so by the time August got here, it had clicked up to 0.9. And when it was 0.4, 20% of my bone marrow was cancer. Now it's 0.9. So I be I'm continuing to use the remedies that Gina prescribed, that stuff is real and it works. And doing the energetic work with Gina, doing the energetic work with Reverend Cynthia, who works with energy codes from, from uh, Dr. Sue Mortar, staying in my spiritual practice and working with my doctor. And I remember telling him that he was the thermometer in this equation. And his response was, Good God, where do you put me? <laughs> and all I could say was in the appropriate place. <laughs> and so we get to the end of August, because he's seeing me once a month, and the, the number dropped from 0.9 to 0.6. With the energetic work, the working consciousness, and the prayers that were lifted on my behalf, and my own work dropped. It dropped a third. And so I was getting ready to go out to California to, for the initiation into the practitioner core. And so uh, my doctor tried to talk me into upping my Revlimid. And I said, look, dude, there's no evidence to support that. And I didn't need Gina at that point. So I told him that myself. <laughs> She's my cheerleader. And so I fly out to California, I meet all of my practitioner peeps, and a part of that process is we all got one-on-one -on -one time with Reverend Michael. Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith is an amazing person who knows the truth of who he, who's he is and knows the truth of us without a shadow of a doubt. So I was in the room with him, and he gave me my quality and prayed for me around my quality and some other things, and he said, uh, Deborah, is there anything you want to ask me or anything that you would like to say? And I had thought that perhaps I should ask him to pray for me. And something within my being said, I am the same spirit that is within Reverend Michael. And so I did not ask him to pray for me, although in my heart of hearts, I know he knew. He saw me. And so the only thing that I could think to say or, or felt I wanted to say was how grateful I was to be in this moment. To have gone through everything that I went to, to see the miracles in my own life and the lives of other people. The evidence thereof of my faith of a mustard seed. Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. 
once we experience, we can't unexperience it. So I, I told Reverend Michael just how grateful I was. And I got up and, and embraced him and told him that I loved him and how grateful I was for him. And he embraced me and said, I love you. And I am grateful for you. That is worth coming to the planet for. And so we come back, I come back home. Doc draws my blood again. And it's gone from point six to point three. My doctor says, well, we know that this is going to come up again, pop up. And I looked at this man and I love him and I respect him. And I said, get thee behind me. Do not speak that in my atmosphere. I had the consciousness to be able to rebuke him. And as I left, there are things I wish that I had said, but it wasn't the time. Because I wanted him to know the power of our words. That our words bless or curse. They give hope or despair. That while I knew that that was a bald-faced lie, that there's no way he could possibly know that, there are those in his care that would take it and just... And so I talked to Gina about it afterwards, and I, I, I was ready the next time I went in there. <laughs> and, you know, we met all the numbers looking great, and uh, I said, I need to talk to you. And I, I, I said, I know that you say I'm prayed up. You know that, but you need to know what that is. That is affirming the truth. That is not begging and beseeching a God outside of myself. And I know that the, my physical birth was not my beginning. My physical dearth, birth is not, death is not my end. That's what I mean by being prayed up. I affirm the truth. And what I need you to know is the power of your word. And I don't know, I'm not attached to whether or not he took that and actually implemented because they do have rules and guidelines that they have to follow. But my job that Spirit gave me was not to determine how he took it. My job was to listen and then do. And that is available to us always in a language that we absolutely know and understand. And so I, I will close with sharing this song with you. It's called The Faith of a Mustard Seed. And it came through before the numbers dropped. And even in its coming through, Spirit was giving it to me because Lord knows I didn't come up with it. And I remember at one point I said, now Lord, I'm going to need another chord here. <laughs> <laughs> and about that... <laughs> And, and about that time, my hand slid to the right place, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> so just, that's right. So, so just remember that when Jesus was talking in that stormy sea one day and said, be still, he wasn't talking to the sea. He was talking to his own consciousness.
the consciousness of his disciples, they heard and the seas calm. And that's that's what happened with me. Not much more than a grain of sand Yet it's the power to which I for joining us for Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. If you enjoyed the program, we hope that you'll support us by leaving a good review of this podcast wherever you download your shows. We also hope you'll support us in other ways, either by becoming a subscriber to our YouTube channel and our weekly newsletter, or by supporting us financially. You can find out how to do all of that by visiting our website at jubileecircle.com. Many thanks to Audio Coffee from Pixabay for supplying our podcast music. Join us again next week, and until then, take the words of Meister Eckhart with you. If the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be enough. We thank you for your time and wish you the kind of week that will leave you saying, Oh yeah. Yeah.